Welcome back to Thanks by the Lake. This is Doug Maurice from Cleveland.com. We're talking Browns this week. My brain is mush because uh, I've been writing about Ohio State and just in the last hour arguing with people on Twitter about Ohio State because Urban Meyer just put out another statement. And I, I, uh, uh, I can't even talk. Woo! Crazy, huh? Listen, Brendan Leister's the guest. He's really good. This is a great Browns discussion. My brain was functioning uh, to a slightly higher level. Brendan's brain functions on an extremely high level. So this is a very thorough breakdown of the Browns. You will like it. And uh, just listen to it. And uh, I'm going to go take a nap. All right. We're joined on Takes by the Lake by Brendan Leister. Another one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Uh, he's a, an analyst at Pro Football Focus. He knows the game. He's experienced in Northeast Ohio football. This is a football guy. He's a guy I like to talk to. We haven't done this with him before, but I've really enjoyed following you, Brendan. So thanks so much for uh, for coming on Takes by the Lake. Yeah, man, I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to talking to you. So thanks for having me on. All right, we're diving in. Um, I'm going to be honest. Um, I don't know what the hell is going on because I've been knee-deep in Ohio State stuff for a month. Um, and I haven't been as locked in on the Browns, especially this week, as I would like to be. I wanted to be there Thursday night um, when they played the Eagles. I couldn't make it. Um, I did watch it on TV. I know you watched the game, Brendan. And, and so there's a million things I want to talk to about that. But this is something that I wrote about this summer. I know a lot of people obviously have written about this guy too. But I did feel like for a time, Brendan, that this summer – People were so excited about the drafting of Baker Mayfield. There was so much talk about the people John Dorsey was bringing in. I thought for a brief moment in time, people forgot a little bit about Miles Garrett. That that this guy flashed so much last year, but he was hurt. He didn't play a full schedule. And the idea to me of, of Miles Garrett in year two with a 16-game schedule, assuming he stays on the field... Is, is something that Browns fans have not experienced yet. So here's my question from you for you, Brendan. Looking at what Miles Garrett did in preseason game number three, looking at what you've seen from him through the first three games of the preseason, how would you put in context what a healthy year two Miles Garrett might do for this defense? How much will he affect games? Oh, I think... I mean, it's it's pretty immeasurable, really. I mean, the sky's the limit for him with his talent. I mean, he can do anything as a pass rusher. Um, he can play inside, outside on the edge. Um, he can, you know, he can rush the edge with speed. He can also bull rush guys and use power, use inside moves. I mean, he can do anything really when it comes to rushing the passer. Um, I'm interested to see the ways that they use him. I mean, in the preseason so far, they've mostly just used him on the edge. Um, and then last year, he had three of his seven sacks lined up inside as a, you know, as a defensive tackle type player on uh, passing down. So I'm interested to see if they continue to use him creatively like they did last year. But um, I mean, going into this year, if he stays healthy, because that's the big key for him. I mean, the past two years, at least, it might have been even the past three. Um, he's been hampered with injuries. He hasn't really played. Um, I don't think he's really played a lot of games healthy. You right. know, he's been kind of hampered with injuries, especially with his feet and ankles. So um, if he can stay healthy, I, I just think the sky's the limit. I saw someone on Twitter today say, you know, they wouldn't be shocked if he was like a defensive player of the year type candidate. Right. Um, that that wouldn't be shocking at all. I mean, just with the type of ability he has, I think he was he um, I think he pressured the quarterback on. 40% of snaps last night, which is just an absurd number, or, or 40% of his rushes, I mean. Yeah. So, you know, he was consistently around the quarterback, and you just don't see a number like that very often. So, really, I just think the sky's the limit. And as far as the impact within the defense, um, it's it's going to be interesting watching their defensive cover schemes this year. You know, last year they didn't do a great job of disrupting routes early in the down. Um, they, they like to play the off coverage with the corners, and, and they weren't really – you know, affecting guys that were running up the seams and put a lot of pressure on the linebackers, especially when you have that safety so deep. So um, I'm interested to see if they disrupt routes better early in the down with, you know, guys like Denzel Ward and Terrence Mitchell, two guys that I think have really stood out in the preseason so far. So if they play a little more aggressive coverage on the back end, back end I think it'll help Garrett um, really flourish and, you know, put up huge numbers as a rusher when it comes to sacks, hits, you know, moving the quarterback off his spot and making him uncomfortable, just all that stuff. 
I do want to get into the offensive side of the ball too, but I think we're going to dance around with the defense here a little bit because they look so good against the Eagles. People talked a lot about in the draft the idea of, of drafting Bradley Chubb. That's what I think a lot of people expected and the idea of pairing him with Miles Garrett. They went with Denzel Ward. But is that not in itself a pairing, Brendan, that when we, we know I covered Denzel Ward every snap of his college career, we know Ohio State is a press man team, we know that's what he played basically every snap in college. That's his, his expertise. We've seen him play some off coverage, but we've also seen the Browns use him in press man. Mitchell's had a good camp. When you have corners like that who, like you said, maybe can get up and disrupt people early, and then you have a pass rush like this, and we can get into Emmanuel Ogba and Larry Ogunjobi and some of the other people, but but like that's it, right? Isn't that that like that's how you do it. That's the point. If if you get pressure and you're up on receivers, you just make it more difficult then the Browns have made it on offenses for a very, very long time. Oh, absolutely. And I think the thing with their defense over time is they've just never had both. You know, right. like sometimes they'll have like a couple good rushers or one or, I mean, they really haven't had that many good rushers over time, but sometimes they'll have like a Kruger who will put together a good season, but then the secondary is terrible. So, and then they had Joe Hayden who was playing well for a couple of years, but then they didn't really have the rushers then. So I think it's, it's nice that now we see, this defense is starting to finally come together with guys that can cover on the back end because some of my colleagues at Pro Football Focus, actually, um, they found this offseason as they were studying and looking at the value of different types of players at different positions. So, you know, quarterback's the most important position, obviously. But after quarterback, they found that cover players on the back end, you know, the guys we're talking about. So, you know, cornerbacks are actually more valuable than pass rushers to a defense. And I know that that goes against conventional wisdom and that sounds crazy. And I actually was, I had a hard time believing it at first because, you know, you look at the Eagles last year and the way that their pass rush was, was getting after Brady in the Super Bowl, for example, and they really carry that really carried their team, the defensive line. But I mean, their, their coverage on the back end was exceptional also um, from top to bottom. And if you just look at it on, I guess, on their scale with wins above replacement, the different things or our scale, huh. I should say, I'm still getting used to working for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cup corners are more valuable than pass rushers. Um, but it comes with an asterisk. So from year to year, it's, um, it's not as reliable or stable. So cover players tend to fall off more often as where the, the great pass rushers will be more consistent over a period of time, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. So that's what they found. So it's smart to, kind of take a lot of stabs at those corners early in the draft because if you can get a few talent one, talented ones that can really lock up you know the opposing team's great wide receivers and slow down the quarterback's processing ability then it can really help your you know your total defense so so let's stay with those two parts of the defense expand a little bit let's talk about the pass rush and the coverage when you look at not just Miles Garrett but Ogba on the other side Larry Ogunjobi inside, um, Carl Nassib, the other people that are going to be in there trying to get pressure on the quarterback. And then you look at the defensive backfield as a whole with Mitchell on the other side opposite Denzel Ward, with the guys they added in the secondary. And, and I'm still, I'm not exactly sure how they're going to deploy all these guys. It feels to me like, tell me if I'm wrong on this. Does it not feel like Jabril Peppers, Derek Kindred, Demarius Randall, and Brian Body Calhoun are all going to be on the field at different times on different downs moving around. Like it seems like there's some options there. So uh, I'm asking you that question, but then also just the combination of that secondary and the pass rush together beyond Garrett and Ward. What do you think of how all that works together? Yes. So I think that those four players you mentioned, so Kindred, Randall, Body Calhoun, and Peppers, I think they'll all have a significant role in the defense, the plan. Um, I think Randall will probably play the most snaps if, if he stays healthy just because he's, you know, the starting free safety. They're going to put him deep a ton. They're going to give him a lot of reps. That's why they traded for him. They they seem high on him. Um, Body Calhoun, will he'll be the nickel. I mean, he, he had a great interception last night playing deep. He's, he's a versatile guy. I actually think he can play outside corner too like he showed as a rookie so I'm, I'm a very high on him he's just always around the ball he's a physical player and then 
Um, Kindred and Peppers, you know, so far this preseason, and it, it aligns with their skill sets, really, they have completely different roles, even though they're, they're both strong safeties. Um, Peppers, I think, is going to be more of a cover guy. You know, they're going to have him play man-to-man on tight ends. Um, they're going to have him, you know, come up and play some coverage on, on running backs, too. But he's going to be more of like a cover player at the second level, um, kind of like their linebackers do in the past game, you know, just lining up the second level. With Kindred... He's more of an edge setter with the way that they use him. I mean, he's he's primarily a run defender. They line him up on the line of scrimmage. He's very physical at the point of attack, and, and he's just he's great in that role. They like to put him right outside Ogba, let Ogba play almost like a like a defensive tackle of sorts, mm-hmm. where he can play like inside the tight end and outside the tackle and just get up in that gap and disrupt. So he can really penetrate in the gap and then Kendrick just holds down the edge and they love to do that. They did that last year and he flourished in that role. Um, the thing with him is you just don't want him to be in too much man to man coverage. So hopefully they don't ask him to do that a lot. Um, and then as far as, um, up front, with the defensive, you know, the pass rushers and such, I'm really high on Jannard Avery. Um, yep. I just did a, a film breakdown thing with uh, Jake Burns from Waiting for ne- Next Year, and he's yep. also with um, the OBR. He does a good job with that. So we're going to do a weekly film session um, on Wednesdays now. And we did a film session on Jannard Avery the other day, and, and I'm, I've been really been impressed with him. I mean, he had a strip sack last night. He um, he's a really physical guy coming off the edge. They like to line him up on the line of scrimmage as well. They slide Ogba inside to like a three technique, lining up over the guard on these pass downs, and and they've been doing that a ton with three defensive linemen on the field. So that package has had Garrett, Ogunjobi, Ogba, and then Avery on the edge. Um, sadly, Avery, I think he hurt his hip last night. He's gonna right. miss some time. But um, but I think he's a really really promising young player. He was one of the best uh, pass rushers in college football last year at the linebacker position. So really excited about his future. All right, I've got like a million more questions on the defense, but I want to I want to delve into this just part a little bit more. What we're talking about there, we're talking about the pass rush, and I know there's obviously there's more than that on the defensive line, but that's what we're talking about right now. We're talking about multiple names, right? You're talking about, and we've seen that. That we're not just talking about the four defensive linemen. We're talking about how they use Avery on the edge. We we know Ogba can go inside. We know that Garrett, as you said, has gotten sacks inside. We know they have some other people, whether it's Nassib or Chris Smith or maybe some other people that could work in here or there. They have multiple people in the secondary. Here's how I take that. Tell me if this is wrong. I'm not a football expert to the extent you are. But that seems positive to me, right? That it's like they have multiple guys who are quality NFL football players that can play roles. You're not just talking about, well, do we have a decent corner? Do we have a decent safety? Like you said, they have Peppers and Kindred who can share snaps and do different things, but both be good at what they do best. They can bring Avery up on an edge and have him rush. They can move Ogba and Garrett around. That seems to me like the progress of roster building and building a defense with multiple parts that you have some depth, you have some options, and that maybe should make you significantly better. Oh, absolutely. It's um, When you look at the defense, there's just a lot of versatile players that can really move around and play a lot of different roles, as you just alluded to. And it just gives you so much flexibility when you play in a league with, with guys like Duke Johnson. You know, yep. like he's on the roster, but a guy like that that can play wide receiver, he can play running back. Um, just all these versatile players around the league that can play different spots. You want versatile defensive players to, to match up with those guys and you want great pass rushers that can move inside outside because that gives the defensive coordinator the luxury of being able to kind of you know if there's a week where the left guard's terrible and the left tackle is an all pro you can slide Garrett inside on pass downs and line him up against that left guard and get a one-on-one matchup and really just wreak havoc where if he's on the edge the whole game against the left tackle that's just you're kind of wasting him yep. you know so so if you've got versatile guys that can play multiple roles and understand the defense from front to back, which is the luxury of playing in a scheme for years, you know, because this is the second year they're in this defense, where right. in the past these players have been in defensive scheme, like a different defensive scheme every year. And, um, and I think that really hurts guys when it comes to that, where now these guys have been in the defense. You know, Peppers is learning a new role, for example, like Body Calhoun. He can play 
you know, he can play nickel corner. He can play free safety. He can even play strong safety. I would say if it was, you know, in a pinch, he could do it. So when you've got those versatile guys, it's just huge in a league like it is today where everybody's throwing the ball around and they all have versatile skill players on every team. Something that I, that my favorite football people that I follow on Twitter who follow the Browns and you're on that list. Jake Burns is on that list. There's just a lot of really good football insight. I feel like around the Browns right now, um, have talked to some extent about the way Greg Williams has used the guys in this defense and how much a he likes to blitz and how much the Browns were in base defense last year and, and using linebackers to cover guys on passing downs and that kind of thing. Um, question number one is when you have guys like Miles Garrett and 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 Ogba and Avery off the edge when he's healthy, who can get a pass rush? Should he blitz less, or do you still think we're going to see a lot of blitzing from Greg Williams? Should we see a lot of blitzing? And then number two, how often do you think we'll see them in a nickel defense where there's only two linebackers on the field? I know that in the modern NFL is a base defense in a lot of ways, but the Browns were at the bottom of the league and how much they did that. They did three linebackers, a regular defense, a lot of the time. Do you think with all these secondary options, we will see Greg Williams in the regular season use that nickel package more? Those two things. Yeah, with the blitzing, um, I think that that should definitely occur less. I think he needs to be more selective with it. Um, We've seen some good zone blitzes this preseason, actually, where, I mean, they've brought three guys at times and dropped out you know, defensive ends like Garrett's dropped into coverage a couple times on plays where they got hits on the quarterback just because they expect him to rush and, you know, they'll bring three guys and they get there just because of the, the decoys and the coverage. Um, I think Kendricks, he had a sack in the first game that was like that. So, yeah, when you have those guys up front that can defeat blocks, you definitely want to try to drop seven and sometimes even eight guys if you have, you know, the rushers to do it. Um, they just have to be more selective with the way that they blitz and pressure. Uh, I hope that that's the case. I have no idea. I think Greg, it's kind of in his DNA, it seems like, with Greg Williams, yep. where I think he just he loves to blitz, and it's kind of who he is. But hopefully it's less than last year. And on the second question, I definitely think we're going to see a lot more nickel this year. Um, I think, you know, last year, Kirksey and Schobert, they played, wasn't it every single snap of the whole season? I think, I think they played, mm-hmm. both of them played every single snap. They were two of the only guys in the league that did that. And um, I think that this year there will be a lot more of those defensive backs on the field. They'll keep a pretty consistent defensive line probably. But, but what will be interesting to me is, you know, teams are going to treat Avery if he keeps playing this role and he comes back healthy soon, they're going to treat him like a defensive lineman because they're, yeah. they're putting him on the field with three defensive linemen. And uh, even though he's standing up on the edge, he's a, he's a quasi defensive end. So, you know, people might view that as like a three defensive line and three, like a three D line and, four linebackers or three three defensive right, linemen or three, and three, three linebackers five, but, right. but really it's a four three or a right. four two you know so uh so really i think at the end of the day yeah we'll see a lot more nickel we'll see a lot more of packages with five or six defensive backs in it the the one thing and i want to i just like an overall uh theory on greg williams he came in with such fanfare here and i think for a lot of fans um you know he swears and he's now he's crazy on hard knocks, and that's getting a lot of attention. And he's aggressive, and he's been in the league a long time. And I think a lot of people were really excited about Greg Williams. But it seems like there's been like a lot of legitimate questions in sort of like his strategy, how he uses guys, are they using the right scheme? And Hugh Jackson took a lot of heat last year, but a lot of people that I respect seem to think that Greg Williams deserved his own amount of heat last year for how he used guys. What what is what is your level of confidence in Greg Williams um, going into this season? Do you believe that with the defense that seems to have you know more than a few guys with talent that he will use them the right way? Or are you entering the season with some concerns of man? I hope Greg doesn't mess this up by trying to do too much by using the wrong guys. Should people have some questions about Greg Williams entering this year? Well, based on last season, I think people definitely should have some questions when it comes to the scheme, just with how much he was playing, you know, the base 4-3 defense and how much he was blitzing and and the deep free safety and the lack of disrupting routes at the line of scrimmage. And there was there was a lot of issues. Um, It wasn't 
always as you know simple as just the free safety being deep. I mean, there there was a lot of things going on. There were some plays where they had ten guys on the field at times, and I just I didn't think the defense was very well coached. Going to the end of the off season, I actually thought that quarterback and defensive coordinator were the two biggest needs, and then head coach was third. Um, but but with these preseason games, what I've seen so far. I am encouraged by what he's shown as far as the usage, you know, like, like using Avery the way he has, that's, that's encouraging to me. I like the, the way that they're using him and moving Ogba inside. And, um, another thing is like Denzel Ward, there's been times where they'll play zone with everybody, um, everybody, you know, all the other cover players in the secondary, and then they'll just man up Denzel Ward on, on the X receivers. That's the isolated guy backside right. of like a three by one set. And they'll just man him up and let him play press man. And that's what he's best at. You know, right. that's what he did at Ohio State. That's why he was the fourth pick in the draft. So use these guys to, you know, what they do best. Like they've been doing what I was talking about earlier with Peppers. I think that's a good that's a good role for him. That's and and what they do with Kendrick, that's a good role for him too. So I I've been encouraged by the preseason, what I've seen so far, but but we all know that things change a lot when you're game planning every week and, and all that stuff. So hopefully he just doesn't get too cute so to speak yep. when when the real games start and i do think maybe it's that you feel like you need to get cute if you feel like you don't have the players but maybe yeah. if you have faith in the players and it's it's the second year for him so you have a healthy garrett um Ogunjobi has a bigger role you've you've basically revamped the entire secondary you added michael kendricks to the linebackers he knows these guys a little better i think maybe the hope like i think that's a good point you make that like Maybe maybe too cute because he felt desperate, you know, maybe more desperate than he had to feel. But he felt like, well, we can't match up eleven on eleven, so I'm going to do all this stuff. And it's like, you know what? Like, just let's make sure you put the guys in the right spot. But maybe you don't have to be so cute because you have enough guys who can make plays on their own. Michael Kendricks. I want to get into the thing he said that that people have talked about a lot about comparing the talent level of the Eagles last year, which is where he was last year, won a Super Bowl, and the Browns this year. This is tra- as we transition to the offense, Brendan. But that general idea, right, just, you know, we're not, I'm not really here to try to compare the Browns' overall talent to the Super Bowl chance of, champs of last year. But what is the context for you of just, like, overall roster talent? Is it still near the bottom of the NFL do you think do you think or do you think maybe this is like you know what this is a good middle of the pack talent roster when you look at everybody from from 1 to 53 you know what they're they're going to end up being pretty decent yeah i think with um with all the additions they've made you know over the past not not just this off season just the past few years you know they've they've done a great job of bringing in talent infusing the roster with young talent i know they missed on like Corey coleman you know that was obviously a miss at this point but but like overall they've done a good job of adding talent to the roster and i think it is around the middle of the pack now i wouldn't put it near the bottom i wouldn't put it near the top either i think the quarterback position is the big thing that's going to allow the roster to kind of get up to the top of the league, you know, cause having a great quarterback covers up some of that other stuff. Um, great coaching is another thing. I mean, these, hopefully this coaching staff really turns it around from last year, really proves us all wrong. All the doubters, including myself, hopefully they prove us wrong. And, and if they can develop this young roster and I think, I think the talent is there they're, they have a talented roster. I'm not going to say they're top of the league or, bottom of the league they still need some depth at certain positions without a doubt but i'm interested to see how they deploy the different different various skill sets on the roster you know if they're only using three defensive linemen and two or two of them are defensive ends then i'm not worried about the defensive tackle position you can just roll with ogan joby and and like uh put you know meter in there from time to time and if you're playing one defensive tackle a lot of the time and playing avery on the edge then if that's how you're gonna roll then hey I'm not as worried about defensive tackle. So yeah. uh, just just for example. So um, I'm just interested to see the way they use these guys. But I do think that the roster is definitely much improved from last season and, and the year before that. And especially that, you know, that last year with Petten. I mean, that that was bad. So. Yeah. So, so we know, I mean, I think we're, gonna, we're not going to do much quarterback talk here because there's so much quarterback talk out there. And I think... I think people get it. Tyrod's a solid veteran, and it's great that he's here, and Baker Mayfield's the number one pick, and his time's going to come whenever it's going to come, maybe during this season, maybe not, maybe it'll be next year, but 
they're much more set at quarterback than they've been in a very long time. I want to talk about the skill guys. That's fun to talk about, too. I'm I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but just if we roll through the skill guys, right, and I guess I'm talking about Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb, and Duke Johnson at running back, and we know Duke is kind of a hybrid guy, talking about David Njoku at tight end, and then we think about the receivers, and we assume Josh Gordon's going to have a role for this team very soon. Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, um, Rashard Higgins, Antonio Callaway. Maybe give me like the who are the three best guys? Who are the three skill guys that you think absolutely need to get the most touches? Is it in the run game? Is it in the throw game? Who are going to be the guys that are going to make make the defining plays? Who are they going to go to in the red zone? Just of that group, who, who are the people who are truly going to make the difference if this is going to be a decent offense? And certainly at the moment, it seems like the offense is a little behind the defense. But there's there's more depth, it seems like, there. Who's going to be the guys? Yes, yeah, so you want three guys, and that includes Josh Gordon. Is that yeah? I mean, and 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 you can give me a fourth if if of course I think everybody would put Josh Gordon in their top three, but yeah. we don't know which Josh Gordon we're getting and for how long. Um, but I'm curious on your take on Gordon. But you can go three others too if you want. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm going to start off with Duke Johnson because okay. he's just he's so dynamic as a runner and a passer. It just it seems like all of his carries this preseason, he's getting hit in the backfield. He makes a guy miss. He stiff arms someone, and then he gets five yards or ten yards. It's it's crazy the stuff that he's able to do with the ball in his hands. He's, I mean, some of the touchdowns he had last year were just remarkable with with his instincts and. You know, he catches the ball in the flat, and then he makes a guy miss, and then he cuts inside, and then he cuts back outside, and then he dives in the end zone, and it's a touchdown. It's just, it's amazing the things that Duke Johnson can do um, in the run and pass game, and I think I've been saying all along, I don't expect this to happen, but I absolutely think he needs to lead the running back group in touches and snaps. Okay. Uh, I think he should start, in today's NFL, just with the way that the pass game is, it's more valuable than the run game. I mean, I've just seen a lot of really smart people dive into this this offseason with, you know, run game or pass game, what's more valuable on the whole, you know, how often should teams be running versus passing. I just think that Duke Johnson should be getting the most touches. It's the kind of deal where you pass the ball to get the lead and then you run the ball to kind of grind the clock at the end of the game. And so I think most of Hyde or Chubb, you know, that split, because that's kind of a similar they're kind of going to play a similar role Mm -hmm. whoever's on the field i expect Hyde to get most of the carries but that guy should be grinding the game away at the end just in this hypothetical i'm not saying this should happen this will happen but i'm saying it should when the duke is that type of a player right when the Um, browns all the games the browns are going to be ahead in in the fourth quarter what an what an amazing thought to think about that that might actually come into play but it is but it is it's going to happen at least a couple times so yes continue yeah, and that should be the plan anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Try, to, try to throw early to get the lead, get those explosive plays, the chunk plays, score points, and then grind the clock away at the end. So that should be the plan. So, yeah, Duke Johnson, absolutely. Dynamic player, probably the team MVP last year. Um, second, I'm going to say Jarvis Landry just because okay. of, I think, the role he's going to play in the offense. He, you know, They're using him inside and outside. Um, I think he's going to be used much more in the intermediate level of the field than he was in Miami, where it seemed like Miami was just targeting him a lot in the short game. I mean, they weren't really letting him go down the field hardly at all. I think he's a good enough route runner to do that, and that's most of what it takes. So even though he doesn't test, he didn't test the best coming out of college, and he's not the best athlete. I think he just has the craftiness, and and with the with the rapport that him and Tyrod Taylor have, I think he's mm-hmm. going to be a huge asset. And and his hands, you know, the way that he can catch the ball and be a consistent um, threat on any down just because he can catch the ball consistently is something the Browns haven't really had in a long time. Because, you know, any, any playmaker we can think of with the Browns over time, they've all dropped the ball a decent amount. Yeah. You know, this is the first guy that, that is just a consistent catcher, of the ball. I hate when people use those kind of That's terms, right. but I guess I just did. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I think he's just going to be a consistent, reliable guy and, and someone that they need for the veteran leadership and, and those type of things too. Okay. Um, third guy I'm going to touch on is Josh Gordon because he's just such an absolute freak and such a threat. Anytime he touches the ball, similar, it's like, you know, kind of like I was talking about with Duke Johnson. It's, I mean, Josh Gordon is the same way, just at a different position. He's he's just so dynamic after the catch. 
Um, before the catch, it's hard for you know defensive backs to match his, his mm-hmm. physicality as well as his athleticism. I think that when he comes back, they're probably going to use him at a, a lot of different positions in the offense, depending on the play call and the formation. So I think they're going to move him around too. And I don't think he'll lead the team in catches, but if he's there, if he's there for all 16 games, I think he'll definitely lead the team in yards and touchdowns receiving. Um, So I I would say Landry will probably lead the team in catches, I think. Um, But yeah, just explosive all around player. And then for that next guy, I'll just say, uh, I'll just say David Njoku because of, you know, his ability in the middle of the field and he's a tough guy to match up with. I really like the way that they've moved him around so far. Like the day that I was at training camp, I mean, and, and also in the preseason games, I mean, they move him to the slot. They put him outside sometimes. They, they've really been doing a good job of moving him around and he's playing so many more snaps this preseason than he did last year. I think, I think last season he played 40 some percent of the snaps overall last season and this this preseason he's playing over 90 percent of the snaps with the first team I think so I expect him to have a big role in the offense and I just hope that he can continue to develop his um you know his just his consistency catching the ball that's the biggest thing especially in traffic because that's such an important thing for a tight end a lot of times you're going to be in congested spots in the middle of the field tight coverage where the ball is getting fit into you and and if you have issues with consistently catching with your hands in those situations. Um, if the ball bounces off your hands in the middle of the field, it can turn into interceptions and really bad plays for the offense. So I just, I look forward to seeing his progression in year two. He's still such a young player, seems to have a great work ethic and just looking forward to seeing him grow over the next, you know, many years. It, it just seems like we know how the game and the NFL has evolved with the tight end. It just feels like, He's that guy. He's that next level of of tight yep. end that that you do. He's he and just again talking about like versatility and position versatility. You know, Duke Johnson's half a running back, half a slot receiver, and, and David Njoku is is half a tight end, half a slot receiver. You know that he's that he's standing up. He's on a wing. He's in a in a position to to get a mismatch. Um, it just feels like you know I, I haven't been at camp all that much, but I was there one of the days. Um, it's one of the days they showed on Hard Knocks when he was dropping everything. You know, he just had a really bad day uh, on dropping some balls, and it just made you like it was like, oh man, that guy, that guy just seems to have everything. But if he's not going to catch it, that's a that's a problem. But it, he just from the rest of it, it does just seem like he is that next level modern NFL tight end. That again is one of those things that we really have not seen a ton in Cleveland since Gronk and all these guys have led like the tight end revolution. Yeah, I agree. And, and the other thing that doesn't get enough talk with with Najoku is his blocking. Um, I know some people that really pay attention have talked about it, but I don't think it gets enough um, enough talk from like the media and different pundits. Is just how far he's come as a blocker since okay. his last year at Miami because he was. I mean, he was basically a slot receiver at Miami, the way that they would use him yeah. a lot of times. He was mostly just a threat in the pass game, just a big athlete out there that they would get the ball and he would, you know, he would outrun people as just such a freak. But um, but he he really seems to have put in a lot of work as a blocker. He's he's reliable. You could put him out there by himself and he's not going to completely embarrass you and wreck your run game. It's not a situation like like Gary Barnage was at times where it's just such a liability in the run game as a blocker where it was, it was kind of really tough to run the ball a lot. So um, I think the way that he's progressed in that area, especially is one of the indicators to me that he's a guy that just really works his ass off and wants it. So I want to end on this, Brendan, and you know, we're just not going to get into the quarterbacks that much. I think the offensive line, I think most people are in agreement that Batonio is looking pretty good at left tackle. Austin Corbett is looking like he's going to get it at left guard. If you assume Zeitler is back healthy at right guard, I think Chris Hubbard has turned out to be a good signing. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I think it it, it maybe took some time to get this figured out, but I think the line's going to be okay. The depth is an issue. Um, looks like Sean Coleman, may, you know, maybe went from starting left tackle at the start of the camp to not making the roster. Um, I think there's questions about the other backup tackles. We've seen a lot of Spencer Drango in the preseason, and I think there's everybody would agree there's a lot of questions there. So, you know, the backup line, I think everybody would agree, is somewhere where they need help. Um, so I'll give you a tw- – like, is there anything you disagree with about what I just said about the offensive line? Nothing I disagree with, but I will add that I think 
if you look across the NFL, all the backup offensive lines are just going to look kind of like that. Okay. I think the Browns have a pretty, you know, it's a, it's just an average as far as the depth. You yep. know, it's just it's just just what you get in today's NFL. You don't have a lot of there's just not a ton of off or there's not a ton of great offensive linemen in general. So, um, you know, when you get down to the, those depth guys that don't get all the reps and they have to know three or four positions, that's that's just tough. You're scraping the bottom of the barrel a lot of times. And I know people have questions with Drango, but I actually think that he's you know, he's he's a solid backup. It's it's nice to have a guy that can play a few spots, and even if he's not great, it's better than some of the guys that we've seen over the years. Yep. So okay. Um, yeah. I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point for context because, you know, yep. Browns fans, every Aubrey fan, you live in your bubble of your team in the context of like, oh, man, this sucks. And it's like, well, it sucks everywhere. I mean, I think that's an important yep. point to make about that. Here's my main question at the end, and I've been fiddling around. I haven't written it yet this preseason. Um, I don't know if I will write it or not, but but I was have been reading and looking at a lot of the things you were talking about in terms of the run game in the NFL and a lot of research – um, an interesting statistical analysis about, like, who cares about the run game? Like, it just is not how you win. It is not the defining thing. And so that's what I was thinking about when they had so much trouble running it in the first preseason game. And then clearly in preseason game number two, they made it a focus and they ran it much better. But I'm just wondering, I, I feel like it is... It's gotten a decent amount of attention. We've talked about Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb a decent amount. Um, I think your points about Duke Johnson's versatility in and out of the backfield are great. He needs the ball. But in general, like I'm just not that concerned about like how Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb look and like I get it. They've got to be there's got to be a certain level of competence there, but in the end, like, the Browns are going to win. If, if They have to win on do enough offensively to help this defense out. That's going to be determined by the pass game. It's going to be determined by if Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor get enough protection. Do they make the throws that are there? Do they not throw picks? Do receivers get open? Do receivers not drop passes when there's opportunities? We saw all the drop passes last year. We saw all the terrible throws Deshaun Kaiser made. My main point, Brendan, is... It, is that should Browns fans maybe look at it that way? That as much as sometimes you talk about Hyde and Chubb and they change the backfield, it just doesn't matter that much because the modern game is about throwing it, and so much about this past game has changed. That's just in the end what it's going to be about. Or am I underselling how much Hyde and Chubb will matter to the Browns this year? No, I'm I'm with you, and and the other point to make also is how the defense stops the pass too. I mean, that's that's the other key because they were one of the best in the NFL last year stopping the run, and we all yeah. saw how much that mattered on Sundays. Great point. So, yeah, so it goes both ways, and um and yeah, I think that that was why I made the point about Duke. I love that you brought up these points and that you've really been studying or paying attention to the people that have studied as, as well this off season, because it's just, it's a great thing to bring up. I don't think enough people are privy to it yet. Hopefully it becomes more of more of conventional wisdom as time goes on. But yeah, the pass game is, is the key to winning in the NFL, stopping the pass, being able to pass. It's going to come down to Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield, whoever is at quarterback making making the right reads, getting the ball to the right guy on time, and, and those players, you know, making plays with the ball in their hands. That's that's what it'll come down to. Um, the offensive line looks like they're solid enough to me, definitely, especially with Petonio now at left tackle, and I think he's just solid there, and they should probably just keep him there, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of my take on it. I think as far as Hyde and Chubb, you know, the run game, I think – my view on the second preseason game, you know, because I was feeling the same way you were. Here's here's how I feel about it. <clears throat> if they have a huge commitment to running the ball, then running the ball matters because that's what it is. You know, you can't right. be consistently running the ball for one or two yards. If they're more committed to passing the ball, as we are saying they should be, if you look at like the numbers and such, then running the ball doesn't matter as much. But if they're committed to it and they still have that perspective, which I'm sure that they do, that running is very important, they need to continue to you know, pound the ball and all those kind of things, then yeah, running the ball matters because they need to try to run for a high yards per carry average or they're going to be stuck in third and eights and third and twelves and all that. Right. But, um, but for the most part, running the ball is 
in the NFL today, it's just to try to run the clock out when it's four-minute offense at the end of the game, and you're just trying to grind that game away and get that win, keep the clock running. That's that's really what the run game is about for the most part. And and I'm going to make another point. Um, this has actually been out there for years. People have done a lot of you know studies on it and such, but but um, play action actually isn't even like play action and the run run game success or run game efficiency they don't even correlate really because linebacker yeah because linebackers are taught you know i'm a coach you know i i know that this is like day one stuff for linebackers but they're taught to take the read steps down toward the line of scrimmage and read run so when you show run and you make a hard play action fake with your offensive line and and your quarterback selling run that's gonna bring them up regardless of how good you are at running the ball so as long as you're mixing a run in here here and there they're gonna overcommit. It's gonna create these huge voids. Um, I've seen people this offseason that did, you know, numbers on like the Patriots and how often they they throw play action, and, and it's just yeah, play action has a huge. I guess there's a huge um, advantage to throwing play action, and the run game is not really a correlation to it. And, and actually, I want to make another point too, just because I know that we're short on time and stuff, but. But the run game can be good if you attach read option to it or an RPO. So yep. if you're reading that extra defender in the box, you're reading him. You know your quarterback is responsible for kind of blocking him with his read, whether he gives the ball or keeps it, or whether he throws the ball to a receiver in the run pass option game or or uh, handing it off. Then those run plays have a lot more value value because there's a much higher rate of efficiency there. Like people average a much higher yards per carry average. That's um, but, but in general, you know, like I said, the run game, if it's just a quarterback, just handing off to the running back. And a lot of times it's in a, a box where you have a disadvantage, right. um, that, that really doesn't have a high, you know, high efficiency rate when it comes to trying to win games at the end of the day. And so two points on that. One is this is why any Browns fans who wanted Saquon Barkley with the number one pick were crazy. That's just not the deal. You don't take a a running back number one when you don't have a quarterback and you haven't had one for 20 years and you have a chance to pick one. That's why. And the second thing is, and I fell into this myself at times last year, Brendan, but there was definitely uh, uh, an attitude last year that like Hugh Jackson didn't run it enough, right? We saw that a lot. People Among the gigantic lists of criticisms for Hugh Jackson, I think almost all of them were valid, except maybe that one that that I think maybe like Hugh's tendency of like listen like we forget to run it sometimes because like that's not what it's about I think that was interesting that that um, he did get back last last year right like did you feel that and then maybe in the end actually on that point alone Hugh Jackson's attitude toward it might be right yeah I'm so glad you brought this up actually so this is so interesting I wondered so I wondered last year I asked some of the um so there's a couple guys that do a podcast for Pro Football Focus, actually, and they're, you know, they're some of our data scientists, and the guys have, like, I think they both have PhDs, actually. They're both math guys. They're super smart. They've been college professors and such. At least one of them has. And and I asked them, I was like, so what was more valuable, passing the ball or running the ball last year for the Browns? <laughs> passing the ball was actually more valuable for them. Deshaun Kaiser had negative three wins above wins above replacement so technically it would be wins below replacement <laughs> you'd have to change change the statistic entirely for him the browns but have actually, created a new stat wins below replacement i love yeah, it i the, love it continue Deshaun kaiser yeah. <laughs> but anyway they found that it was like half a percentage point you know they were half a percentage point less successful or something like that when they ran the ball so really still Still, on average, they were better off with Kaiser throwing the ball. And and the thing is, it shouldn't make it should make more sense than you would think because just think about like yard per carry averages versus yard per completion averages. Right. I mean, if you just think about that, like the if you average five yards per completion, that is the worst in the NFL. That is terrible. That, I th- I'm almost certain that that's lower than Deshaun Kaiser last year. Whereas right. if you average five yards a carry, you're I mean that's that's exceptional. Beast. I think yeah, yeah. They they rushed for like four point four yards a carry. I think Crowell did last year, and that was really good for him. That was maybe his best yards per carry average of his career. And so 
if you think about it that way, this stuff shouldn't really be that surprising to people. Right. So it's it's just all interesting. It it's really I mean this off season it really opened my my mind up to just the different you know values of things. And I'm I'm really excited for these really smart people that are a lot smarter than me. I'm excited for them to continue doing the studying and for me to keep stealing their takes. <laughs> oh no no but but I'm gonna see. So here's how we'll work it. You steal their takes and then I'll steal your takes and everybody Sounds gets great. fed. Um, yeah. yeah I, okay. Now you've inspired me. I will write this at some point before the regular season because, because it did, it just, and it's such coach speak. And I don't even know, maybe Hugh feels like you have to say it because he got so much flack last year, but it was like after the first preseason game, it was like, Oh, we've got to commit to the run. And it was like, really do you? So I get it. I get it. I mean, I like, there's an attitude, but I think, I think in the end, um, it's, you know, we can see obviously every rule that's made is about the passing game. All the the most important positions, as you mentioned, corner, pass rusher, quarterback, it's all about the pass game. Nobody is getting super excited um, about running backs and guards and stuff and, and interior linemen in the NFL. We, we know that. So much evidence is there, but I still think there's sort of like some old cliched thinking that falls in. Um, so I think it's a good reminder for Browns fans. Great. You, you hope every time Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde get the ball, you hope they're effective, right? But that, in oh, exactly. the end, it's, it's not going to be a determining factor for this team. All the skill guys in the pass game, pass protection, Miles Garrett and friends getting pressure, Denzel Ward in the secondary locking down receivers, and the quarterbacks being competent quarterbacks. That is the menu. That's what matters. And then what Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde do is a nice little bonus but I think you guys realize where it's at. So I'm going to ask you one more now, Brendan. One more, because I want to wrap this back up with where we started, which is about Miles Garrett. When you look at him, when you talk about what that position means, do you think it's possible that in the next couple years, Miles Garrett won't just be good, but could Miles Garrett become one of the most important slash one of the best players not just defensive ends but players in the nfl or am i out over my skis here is that too much to think about or are there seeds of that there yeah if you look at the talent absolutely the big thing with him it's always going to come back to is is the health that that is the big thing and i think if he stays healthy the sky is absolutely the limit what you're talking about with him being you know one of the most valuable players in the NFL, um, if the team starts winning, he'll start to get that, you know, that notoriety. You know, as soon as the Browns start winning games and the defense, you know, becomes a top tier defense, he'll be one of the faces of it. You know, he'll be the face. It'll be probably him and Denzel Ward because they're the high draft picks. You know, yep. so, so if that happens, yeah, absolutely. I think those those could both two those guys could both be two of the more, more valuable guys in the league if they both reach their potential. And it's not like, I mean, it's, you know, the idea of like, oh, a, a famous, exciting, valuable defensive end, that's not new in the NFL, but it's like the idea of like, you know, if Vaughn Miller lived in Cleveland, like, you know, that's, you know, that'd be something different. That'd be something that, right. that, that Cleveland has not seen, just like Cleveland has not seen a franchise quarterback. They haven't really seen that either um, for a pretty long time. So the idea of that is very interesting. Uh, Brendan Leister, just again, people, he's a great follow on Twitter. Um, I really appreciate your analysis and your voice, you know, on out in the um, the people who break down the Browns. Again, I, I think it's a really good time for Cleveland Browns fans. I think we do a great job at Cleveland.com of covering the Browns. Mary Kay Cabot is a legend. Uh, Dan Labe is a really good writer. He breaks stuff down sometimes. He writes really good feature stories. We have great coverage, but there's room for other great coverage, and it's really exciting, I think. Um, for people like you, Brendan, for people like Jake Burns, for people who I, I think are really valuable for Browns fans because we know Browns fans cannot get enough. So there's room for lots of good writing and analysis on the Browns, and I definitely think you're part of that, Brendan. Thank you, man. That means so much. I, I just really appreciate that. and It was awesome talking to you today. I hope we can do it again soon. I will definitely have you back, um, and we'll, uh, and I, hopefully I, here's, here's the bottom line, Brendan, right? The Browns are interesting. I don't know what's going to happen, 
But this is interesting. Isn't it interesting? It's been two years of misery, but this is going to be interesting. Yeah, most definitely. I'm, I'm really excited to see how this team does. Uh, I have no idea. I was... I was pretty nervous you were going to ask me a win-loss record, actually, because I just have no idea. Yeah, I also have no such... idea. Yeah, so I'm not doing that to people yet. I'm not doing that to people yet. I'm going to – we'll all – we have time to get to that. We're not quite at that point. Um, but but it is – I mean, I think it's one of those things. The coaching is such an X factor. They've got to stay healthy at a couple key positions, and that's true. That's true for every team. You just don't know exactly how they're going to handle quarterback. You don't know exactly – how Josh Gordon's season's going to go. There's a lot of things at play here that if you piece it all together and it's best case scenario on everything, there are some you could really get a Browns fans exci- Browns fans excited. But how often do you see a best case scenario happen in 10 different ways, right? And I and I just am curious about the idea of one or two things go wrong. There's an injury at one spot. There's like a bad decision that costs you. There's also ways for this to all of a sudden still be a collection of interesting talent that's not putting it together. So I've, I'm, I'm trying to let Browns fans be wary because you're not going to go from zero wins to 10, but you're going to go from, from misery to an interesting team. And I think that is progress in itself. Um, Brendan Leister, thank you so much for your time. We'll have you back, and uh, good luck with the stuff you're doing. And uh, um, I think we're all looking forward to an interesting Brown season. Yeah, thank you, man. Have a great day. Boy, isn't he good? He's good. Uh, Brendan Leister, follow him on Twitter at B-R-E-N-D-A-N-L-E-I-S-T-E-R. Brendan Leister. Whew. Follow me at Doug Maurice. L-E-S-M-E-R-I-S-E-S. Read me at cleveland.com. Subscribe. You can drop a... We haven't had some uh, uh, iTunes reviews in a while. So if you're in the mood for an iTunes review uh, about Takes by the Lake, that'd be lovely. Um, And we'll continue this this discussion. Have some more um, interesting guests I hope to get on the Browns as we head into the regular season. Uh, Again, we'll get to the Indians at some point, but I just like talking about the Browns with smart people. So thanks to Brendan. Thanks to you guys for listening. That was Takes by the Lake, and we'll talk to you next time.